I think one of my proudest moments was being stood at sort of a 7am site briefing at a HS2 site. And the, the, the site manager runs through the list of activity on that day and said, and we've got the 3D concrete print, printing happening today over at Flatiron. And I just felt brilliant. In a really normal everyday context, he just dropped in. Yeah, this is 3D printing happening over here. And now our focus to the customers is how do we design out carbon and how do we take a current traditional asset, understand then what the capability of the 3D machinery itself and the robotics can achieve through the, the free form nature of the robotics and where can we use less material, whether that's concrete, whether that's steel reinforcement, whether in fact the entire principle of the asset can be reconfigured. We really truly believe that it can be and is a, a tech for good, a profit with purpose, all of that good stuff that fundamentally we stand for. And it has meant that we've made values-led decisions throughout our journey. And some of those have definitely meant that the road has been harder and longer because we've stuck to that moral compass. Hey, Natalie, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. No problem. It's great to be here with you, Jack. So one of the things that really excites me about what I do at Future Engineering Club is I get to have a glimpse into the future. And I think it'd be hard pushed to find anything that is more futuristic than what you do at Changemaker. It's a pretty cool one. And I think very much where several industries are heading. Let's dive into it. I'm super excited. How about we okay. kick off by just telling us a little bit about what you do at Changemaker? Yeah, no problem. Um, so I'm co-founder and chief exec of Changemaker 3D. I set up the business with my husband, Luke, just about six years ago now. Luke and I came together to found the business with very different backgrounds. So Luke had spent most of his career in print and kind of production and operations. And I'd been in a sort of social value charity background. And actually, we came together as both sides of the same coin. I think being able to really combine our passion for using business as a force for good. And actually, the 3D printing technology, it, it is, as you say, it is so exciting for that reason. We really, truly believe that it can be and is a, a tech for good, a profit with purpose, all of that good stuff that fundamentally we stand for. And that's why it's great to be able to now talk a bit more about just that journey we've been on and how unconventional it's been and how we're, I believe we're being quite disruptive across the industry. Yeah, I think so. And your point around sort of social value, I think is really important because in our day-to-day -day lives, very busy thinking about the sort of very intricate details of a infrastructure design program or whatever else it's, it's very easy to overlook what is the sort of the bigger purpose and it really yeah. is to create a physical environment that sort of further supports the lives of a population it's whether it's water whether it's energy whether it's trans it's helping us live better more fulfilling lives so i think have come into this challenge from a lens of social value is so important it is. And it's firstly, it's the only way that we could do business. I think it's not to say that profit isn't needed. And we do have a very commercial focus in the business. And at the end of the day, we, we intend to be a profitable business. But doing that through a perspective of putting sustainability and social value at the heart of that, and it has meant that we've made values led decisions throughout our journey. And some of those have 
definitely meant that the road has been harder and longer because we've we've stuck to that moral compass and that's one of the things that through things like the podcast and talking yourself I really want to get that message out there to the industry as well that if there are other people and there are I know other startups and entrepreneurs who are coming at this from a purpose-driven business model it is the future it is the future of good and sustainable business and we have a I think we really have a moral obligation to to embed that across everything that we do I think so I think it's also very complementary to the world of infrastructure because we need to be thinking long term we need to be thinking about the true value of our work over a real extended period of time so really thinking about what that uh, means for society, for lives, for the environment, for everything in between, I think is so important and very complementary to that long-term horizon. And I think that the work we're doing with, with across all of our clients, really, that is very key. It's legacy. And it's not just about bringing in a, a disruptive technology to operationally address efficiencies in program or carbon reduction, but it's also about, that contribution to a legacy that might and can create more local jobs, create greener digital jobs, bring more diversity into the workspace for construction. I myself am an underrepresented group in the sector. So being able to represent women in in tech, women in construction, there's all sorts of opportunities that as a company, we're feeling really proud to be able to push forward with those clients and as part of that aligned agenda with them. I am conscious that we haven't quite described the work that you do at Changemaker. How about we dive into that? And the, I think the, maybe the way to frame it, which is a phrase that I absolutely love and uh, I'm so excited by the fact that you've actually trademarked it, is print for structure. For those unaware, what is print for structure? Uh, as you say, it is our trademark brand. And it really means that it's the offer to the industry for end-to-end 3D concrete printing solutions. So under print for structure, we can design, we can print. In the future, we'll be able to maintain the assets that we've printed. But it's really making sure that the best fit offer out to the client can be sourced and provided through print for structure, which I think I shared with you on previous discussion, literally was a throwaway comment that Luke and I had in our kitchen one day and we were trying to figure out what we were gonna we were gonna call this. And yeah, print for structure just very quickly went from being a bit of a joke to a hashtag to a trademark and now something that we're incredibly proud of because it's a non-word. Two years ago, three years ago, it wasn't even a thing and now People are talking about what is this print for structure and how do we turn it into business as usual. But that's just at simplest terms, that's what it is. If you want to print, design, maintain that whole supply chain, and really it's about the integration of those solutions under print for structure. I think that a lot of branding agencies would be quite envious of that. And you, you probably <laughs> saved yourself quite a lot of money coming up with that yourself. We did. Yeah. yeah, I think so. <laughs> and so been around for a little while now it's often seen as this sort of this cool r&d and a capability but then it hasn't really filtered through our everyday lives in a way so i guess thinking about that age-old gartner's hype curve i think 3d printing is still much trying to through but thinking about it from a construction and infrastructure perspective there have been a few mentions of it over the years but nothing really so 
What does 3D printing mean for infrastructure? There's, there's two ways of answering this, really. And I think the first one is to understand a little bit more about our business model. So we very early on decided that we were going to become an integrator of the technology. So we're tech agnostic. We have clearly worked with 3D print partners over the years, IB Construction being our main partner. But that said, we can retain a whole view of the technology as it's evolving and also the materials. So that was a, a really important decision that we took early on. And to be honest with you, I'd like to say it was like a really strategic decision at the time, but it was actually just born out of necessity because we bootstrapped the business and have done to date. So we didn't have the luxury of creating our own material or creating our own robots. We had to be resourceful and collaborative actually is what we've had to do all the way through and I I think again that that sort of shines through in one of the core values of the business but being able to then be an integrator has meant that our offer out into the industry it is across design and print really rounded and can be really robust and obviously we've got to scale up and we've got to get more operational delivery as uh, capacity as we grow but here and now our focus to the customers is how do we design out carbon and how do we take a current traditional asset, understand then what the capability of the 3D machinery itself and the robotics can achieve through the, the free form nature of the robotics? And where can we use less material, whether that's concrete, whether that's steel reinforcement, whether in fact the entire principle of the asset can be reconfigured? So that's the first step. And then when we've established a an asset which is compliant with UK standards, which is fit for purpose in terms of sector regulation, then we transfer that over into, well, what's the printability of it? And again, we think about printing in productivity. So that's the team's brief. In terms of a, an offering, we want the clients to have confidence in a carbon carbon reducing design. And it's not just carbon, there's other aspects around potential cost and time saving as well, but they start to then be realised in the print the print aspect of of what we're doing in terms of we might not necessarily need to use as many cranes or lifting or there might be less working at height or in confined space, maybe less people required. So when you pull all of that together and we take that holistic view, that's where we get the, the productivity gains. I think it's a bit of a misconception that we do try and educate people on that it isn't, you can't take a single lens view of the benefit of 3D print. It, you really do need to be able to wrap a holistic view around it and, and say, okay, in balance, this whole process has delivered value. So much I could dive into there. A couple of things that really stand out to me in no order. You said printability. So we've created the designs where you can then examine or, or validate the printability. It's a really interesting, I guess, sort of evolution of one of the real hurdles that the industry currently experience around constructability. The other point you said, you design out carbon and then you print in productivity, which is a really great phrase. I want to maybe start right at the, the, the point of design. Do we need to change designs to be able to then allow for that printability later on? I know that the, the industry yeah. is pushing towards sort of parametric models design standardization i imagine that probably makes your job quite a lot easier yes and no and i think so there's two parts to it the flexibility of the technology itself allows you to design 
in ways that traditional methods just would not be able to either um, physically or would be too expensive. So that's the first um, observation that we tend to get when we're going through the design process is actually the freeform nature of the robot. Yes, it will, of course, still have its own parameters. But if you're printing something within that range, you can print all manner of essentially permanent formworks that really do then mean that engineers are free. They really are freed up to think, actually, now I know that I can print this shape like this. What does that mean to the efficiency of that product? How have we just have we always had these shapes because that's all the industry's been able to provide? So I think that's question number one, and and that sort of is the kind of the the innovative thinking, if you like, that we get to be able to unlock with people. And then the second aspect of it is around what can we do to demonstrate that if we are moving away from a traditional design that it's still in compliance with British standards. And we take that really seriously. We, not only as a company, have we sat on the International um, ISO Committee for Additive Manufacturing and Construction, but we've also been working with our clients and have been funded by our clients to undertake really robust testing. So I think that for us, again, because we're agnostic in terms of the robots and the material, we've been able to bring a really impartial perspective to that and understand exactly where we are on the journey towards product acceptance, if you like. And I think that's been really, there are still barriers in the industry around standards and around product acceptance. But I do think we've come a long way by being able to design and demonstrate and test that actually this isn't, this isn't a technology that we should shy away from as an industry. I think it's about picking the right areas to apply it because it isn't a it isn't across the board. Like you say, there are some things which are just better to be standardised and off uh, precast. And this isn't a, we're not trying to replicate precast or any other type of offer. This is actually about fitting into those gaps where, yes, there might be a standardised part that we can produce maybe off-site in a print infrastructure hub, but there are also some bespoke complex geometries which could be printed on or off-site. And again, it's that it's been able to work that through with the client and diagnose that. And it's that, that's what I mean by that printability. What are we printing? Where are we going to print it? How are we going to print it? And we bring all of that together in that kind of the overarching method and approach. It reminds me of a conversation I had recently around AI and chat GPT, et cetera. And the fact that being able to leverage AI for our everyday activities and, and workload is a skill. It's a skill to be able to say, speak to the chat GPT and <laughs> get the right answers out of it. And it takes iteration, yeah. it take, it's a learned skill and sort of workforces of the future need to be able to learn how to harness this capability to maximum potential. And it, it sounds yeah. though it's, it's very much the case with, with this capability. So we've got this amazing capability that could potentially deliver so much value in so many different ways to our design delivery program. But we need to sit down, invest the upfront effort to work out where to best allocate this capability, how to get the most value out of it. And I, mean, it's, I think it's a maybe a mindset which we need to get a lot more comfortable with as an industry. So this AI, 3D concrete printing, 
it's just the start of it. And there are going to be so many more capabilities where actually we do need to say, okay, we've got this. How can we best, how can we best use it? I guess try and move away from trying from this sort of high bar that we put against these new capabilities. Oh, it must deliver all of these different things. And if it doesn't, okay, we're going traditional again. A big part of that is culture change yeah. and mindset change across the industry. It's a little bit of fear of the unknown. Mm. It's also a little bit of there's 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 pressure in the in the current delivery methods in in the industry, and and we recognise that it it does take additional time to figure these things out and embed them. And we recognise that operational teams don't they're not sat there with capacity in their week to in, integrate innovations we, they're out there flat out doing the doing so that we've been working really closely with our clients on on that exact point about how to de-risk and simplify and make this accessible for the operational teams and that's where our print infrastructure hub model is really coming into its own because again it's about trying to fit in with what's needed is it an on-site print hub that needs to turn up for six months and be a resource for a standardized set of asset designs that can be downloaded and printed there is it that actually they would have better application if it was printed off-site in a regional hub and then brought to site because actually it removes some of the on-site challenge for them so we're and we're figuring this out as well we're in quite a unique place as a company where we're blending um, DFMA and and on-site construction in one technology, uh, and that's and we want to take the best of all of those bits to really have a unique and really exciting offer for the industry. But it does come down to education and and skill development, and we've got some exciting projects lined up for this year around that as well, where we're going to be stepping more into the skill development and education of the the industry as well. From your experience, I, I know you've worked across the water sector the transport sector what type of assets do you see being most suitable the for the 3d printing so i think at the moment we've got a really interesting split around risk profiles in those industries so we know for example that in europe we're seeing the boundaries being pushed on say like bridges for example but in the uk we can't go straight to bridges because of the amount of testing and product assurance, durability, all those sorts of things that we need to evidence. So in rail, for example, we've been predominantly focusing in the temporary workspace where it, there might be retaining walls, for example, like we demonstrated with High Speed 2. Still a readily required asset, but something that we can try and add value where from a design point of view, but I think more importantly, get the industry familiar and accepting of the technology being used more across the board and then progress to some permanent works when perhaps there are different materials on the market that are stronger as well. We're working all the time to understand where the material science space is as well and understanding where that matrix of materials will allow us to go further into permanent works in particularly in the rail industry. And then in, in the water industry, for example, it's really looking at, there's an awful lot of chambers. I think most people if they've been on our website will see the work we've done with United Utilities on water retaining distribution chambers and it's really building on that it's building on the inherent strength of circles from a design and a concrete perspective and being able to just work with the strengths of the concrete the strengths of the print as well but get to broadly 
circles and squares. If you want to look at it in real simple, they are pretty basic principles that we then differentiate out depending on what the customer needs. The water industry does love putting a lot of concrete in the ground, a lot of concrete boxes. (laughs) (laughs) Moving away from it towards trying to diversify it, bit of grey, bit of green, but there is still a large market for you within the water sector. I think as well, one of the, one of the things we've, we haven't yet trialled, it's d- definitely a capability, is that the pigment of the material, particularly the side beam mortar, I'm not too sure about some of the other materials globally, but I know with the side beam mortar, you can add green pigments or you can add variations of pigment. At the moment, it is an additional cost, which is why we've not jumped straight into that. But if you were to take a sustainability approach, And there are lots of walls that are required in like rural relief, for example, the ability to have a green wall, perhaps even a living wall, or already you just feel more comfortable about that great big piece of concrete going out into a a field or a woodland or something. Mm, Yeah. And you spoke before about the idea of designing out carbon. What are the opportunities there? How does that work? So we start from the basis that the material we've used to date is would be considered a lower carbon concrete. Uh, Factories um, area typically about thirty percent lower carbon than a, a standard sort of C forty C thirty mix in the UK. So it's not ultra low. I know there's some incredible work happening across concrete industry, but it would be seen as a, a low, lower carbon. So straight away, where can we get the material more more carbon friendly? Then, from a design point of view, can we print with less material? And and again, I think, as you'll have seen with some of the work we did with United Utilities, we were able to really place the material where it's needed. And again, that's just something that you can't really easily do with traditional methods. So being very specific and therefore using aiming to use less material, being conscious of waste as well, and making sure that we reduce down any wastage. If, for example, the asset did need to be recycled or be reused, Again, being conscious of knowing how that happens and being recycled into a kind of an, an aggregate for going into the next round of concrete mixing in the UK. So we've taken every step to really make sure we've asked all of the questions and we understand as much as possible how to make sure that design is reducing carbon. I imagine over time that will only ever improve. One of the exciting fields within material science and climate tech is carbon capture and then doing clever things with that carbon that you capture such as putting it into new materials putting it into concrete so i imagine the work that you do will only ever be more and more suitable to be able to make use of these new innovations within the world of material science i i would completely agree with you we've long known that the robots are the that they're needed in terms of being able to print flexibly, but the carbon reducing value is really, as you say, it's exciting space in the materials. And we've got a, a really interesting network and there are definitely, we're getting updates with all sorts of really cool stuff that's that's happening that if even a fraction of it comes off, we'll be, we'll be really keen to bring that into to the UK market. Yeah. And your your value proposition that you mentioned at the start around being almost technology or, or solution agnostic. 
I think is yeah. such a strong proposition because it then allows you to be so open and, and flexible with the different uh, components that you bring into that, that start to end workflow. I think we really, it would be right to say that we really value the, the working relationship we've got with Cyber Construction. They've been with us really all the way through the journey, even in the early stage of the journey when we were looking at housing and and their product is kind of world leading in its own respect. So I think from that point of view, it's we've picked the right entry point. And I think as the market now is catching up, then it's right that we also, we don't limit that market in the UK for ourselves or our clients, really. Once we've designed the asset and we're preparing to actually bring that design to life, what does that process look like? You spoke a little bit about off-site versus in-situ. You spoke a little bit about your hub model. What does that approach look like? So it really depends on the problem statement from the customer. And that can be at a program level or it could be at a site-specific level. And I think once we've got that brief or maybe we've worked on that brief together, we're able to then go through the decision gates of, is this an on-site or off-site? model and is it even in situ can we get the robot to exactly where it's needed to be printed and then leave it there and some of that we're trialing we've got live projects at the moment in the water sector funded through Offwat, which is giving us amazing opportunity to really push these exact questions out and figure it out we can just give the broadest option best value for money ultimately and then depending on whether it's on-site or off-site we then plan accordingly the biggest thing for us at the moment is growing our off-site capability And as a team, we are still small and we still have a long way to go (laughs) before we or the industry can benefit fully from the offer. And we've got an incredible team of really, truly passionate change makers who are with us on, on this journey, who are working with very little and being very resourceful and demonstrating a tremendous amount. And I think that level of trust and openness has gone a long way with our customers as well. And one of the things that quite excites me about your approach is, yes, bringing robots to our sites is cool. That's cool in itself. But I think your approach of blending the best bits between, say, manufacturing, designed for manufacturing and assembly, okay, DFMA, on-site, and a few others, blending all of the best bits from that to create this much more optimized means of bringing our new assets to life i think that it it does a couple of things that the main word that we keep in our mind is resilience we know that not just from a climate resilience point of view with um, the more unpredictable weather we're getting but also resilience of sort of uk owned uk capability we know we need to have more readily available resource more readily available capacity in the uk And that goes across many, whether it's energy or supply chain or whatever that might be. And this is no different. We need to have a flexible value-adding offer into the supply chain that sits alongside everything else because the supply chain is getting stretched. We know that for all the right reasons, we want to grow, we want to stimulate the economy and have those big infrastructure projects happening. But that then does mean that we've got to do things differently. And we've got to really mix things up a little bit. And that's where this offer comes in. And so we've got a big challenge ourselves as well in terms of being ready and resilient for that, but also supporting the industry in its overall resilience as it delivers as well. And I think that's where the productivity challenge comes in about trying to mitigate against those sorts of 
unforeseen, whether it's weather issues that we don't have to then worry about because we can switch over to an offsite model or even whether it's hitting supply chain price hikes and challenges that we saw during COVID. So I think it's being really switched on to what the, the, cha- the true challenges the industry are facing and knowing where, in a, albeit in a very small way at the moment, we can demonstrate some contribution towards that. I think supply chain resilience is a really important piece. Like you said, so many companies are stretched. Our projects are stretched. So actually being able to bring in a little bit more flexibility within our program is so important. And I quite like your example of, okay, if the weather's too bad on site, okay, let's go off site. Let's print these new concrete structures. And when the weather improves, we can then bring it to site rather than losing a few days within the program. It's, I think that's a really important one. I imagine there are also some opportunities to actually optimize our programs using this capability. Could you go as far as actually potentially removing steps within a process by making use of this technology? In principle, yes. And I can only truthfully speak about the projects we've actually worked on, but definitely within at least two of the projects, we've been able to simplify the construction process, remove steps. And some of those steps have been safety focused as well. So maybe not working in confined space or having to go back into something to retrofit. So I would like to say that if we take that the principles of where we've done this on a small scale, then there is the potential to, to definitely amplify that out. And your mention of the word scale, I think, is one of the massive uh, value adds that this capability can bring to the sector because... We are faced with such a ginormous challenge ahead in terms of the scale of infrastructure that not that we want to build, but we need to build. There is so much new infrastructure that we need to bring to life over the the coming years, even just in the water sector alone. If you look at the AMPATE programs, so between the programs between 2025 and 30, for most water companies, the, the capital investment programs are two to three X in. The headcount isn't two to three X in, but the scale of programs are. So we've got to find new ways of delivering this critical infrastructure. As a sector, 3D concrete printing, we're all relatively young. Some of our supply partners are themselves only maybe eight to 10 years old, and they're also disrupting and scaling. So it's about being able to have that ripple effect of communicating the scale up pipeline potential with those companies that might be able to then go and unlock their own investment to scale and then we have this we have this scale collective scale up of the market equally bringing the material production into the uk that's all within our our strategy and we've got a roadmap to do that so because we i completely share your view that the opportunity is vast it really is and it's being driven out of need completely these infrastructure projects are very customer facing very community you know we are people of our community we all benefit from water and rail and roads and it's about ultimately improving the livelihoods and the quality of life of our communities so being able to do that whilst being mindful of value for money in the broadest sense yes it is going to have to be done differently and I'm quite pleased in a way that challenge is there because it gives us a really big shove into being more disruptive and um, it gives us more 
more voice at the table as to why now is the time to really not hold back and not not remove not be riskful still operate within the right risk profile de-risking the technology as we go but don't stop at prototyping don't miss out at on scale into every major program up and down the country because that's where you get the, the true carbon savings and where you get the true job creation and local spending as well exactly and you mentioned investment i do just want to touch on the world of investments for a second, just to wrap up, because I think I'd be remiss not to touch on one of the things that makes your approach at Changemaker 3D so fascinating. The fact that you haven't gone down the the venture capital fundraise and you've bootstrapped it. I think it's really important to point out that although we've bootstrapped, we've actually been able to get this far because of industry funded projects. So clients have stepped into that space and helped de-risk and particularly HS2 and United Utilities, we wouldn't be where we are without them and without their innovation funds. And I know so many other startups who also have really survived because of having that, that funding. So I think where there is a gap in kind of traditional investment, the industry is particularly the larger companies who can they are looking to step into that space and we've definitely experienced that. Yeah, I think there are so many large asset owners, so many large clients are now realising the importance of really enabling the sort of early stage innovation ecosystem. And HS2, United Utilities are two really good examples of that. And I think that there's there are a lot of other clients that aren't quite at that position in terms of the program maturity that I'm sure uh, are looking to learn from and move in that direction. Because your point around resilience a second ago is so important. It's such a prominent issue for us as an industry. And actually bringing down the barriers to new critical capabilities like yourselves bringing down those barriers, making it easier to actually test out these new ideas, I think is so important. And if clients aren't doing that, they're really missing a trick. We wouldn't, we just wouldn't be where we are genuinely without the funding we've had from, from those innovation funds. And like you say, there are kind of leaders in that space. And then there are those that are looking to the outcomes of that to help take the learning away. And that's fine. You know, that it, it doesn't, really matter where you join the party as long as you join it and you look to take the learning into your own organization but i think that the more that those companies can keep investing in like you say the early stage ecosystem i think it's exactly that it's those where there are no other routes like we had no other routes to get the funding and also it made it much more industry focused from the beginning i felt like we bypassed a whole chunk of R&D that we figured out with our customers in real time on site. And I just, I, if I could do it again, I would still do it that way again, because we went straight into real world challenges. We went straight onto real world sites and we were in a very privileged position very early on to hear direct feedback from site supervisors and electricians and trades and everybody who were who had to integrate with us on a, on a site. And I think one of my one of my proudest moments was being stood at sort of a 7am site briefing at a HS2 site 
and the, the the site manager runs through the list of activity on that day and just really like it was just run of the mill he just came through his list and said and we've got the 3d concrete print printing happening today over at Flatiron and I just felt brilliant in a really normal everyday context he just dropped in yeah this is 3d printing happening over here and there were kind of 150 people who just heard that this was just happening on their site and for me that's one of those standout moments where you know that the change is just starting to filter through and we just need more of those site supervisors dropping that into their everyday checklist of three of what's happening on site but that yeah that was a real moment in, in and above getting onto site in its in the first instance actually just it's those little moments where you stand there and look around the room and think yeah we've had a lot of hard work but we're it's really getting there. I love it. That's so amazing to hear. 3D printing coming to a site near you. And my always, my whenever I'm summing up with anybody, my ask is always to print for structure like the planet depends on it. So they're my parting words. Great words to finish on. That's a, that's a strong finish. Natty, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been so inspiring to hear from you. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it on a site near me. Brilliant. Thank you.